we're continuing in more than a conqueror's. Uh, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us with this understanding. Look at the rest of that scripture. Did I put the rest of that scripture up there? I hope I did. Yeah, here we go. In all these things, read it. In all these things, we are. I want you to say this about yourself. Okay, make this personal. In all these things, we more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life. Angels or rulers, things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a mouthful, isn't it? It's a massive, massive statement. There are things that, you know, Christian people, we don't like to talk about because if we talk about it, then people will think we're just Crazy, you know, okay, you need to see somebody. Okay, and some of us do need to see somebody. Can I get an amen? I right. was both my hands. So, uh, but especially when you get here, all right, because we hear this discussion of being more than a conqueror, and then it begins to show the warfare that's going on in our lives, and we begin to list these things. It's like, I want to be more than a conqueror, but I don't want to talk about what I'm conquering. Okay? So, uh, it's, it's good to know uh, there's this great story. Remember King Jehoshaphat, that story of King Jehoshaphat when the armies are all gathered against him and, and uh, they begin to pray and seek the Lord. And the Lord says, not only are you going to be victorious, but I'm going to tell you exactly where the enemy is. And uh, so in this, he begins to describe some of the struggles. And he says, uh, angels are rulers. And really, that, that, that is another place where we get the same discussion as powers and principalities. And uh, things, nor, nor things present, nor things to come. Death or life. I mean, when he says death or life, that should encompass everything. In this life or in the next life. Death doesn't win. Praise God. So Mookie was here a moment ago. I think she, she stepped out. But I want you to be in prayer for, for, for her. Her mama just passed this week. But she loved Jesus. I've been in worship service with her mama before. And somebody thank God for that. All right. But still, you know, we struggle. But death... Death doesn't destroy us because we're already eternal because of the spirit of Christ that dwells inside of us. And then if, if you continue uh, in this, he says things present or things to come. So we don't have to worry about our past or our future. Uh, nor powers. Uh, that is a large heading. Nor height nor depth. Things in the heaven. Things below the earth. And then he continues. Nor anything else in all creation. In case I haven't mentioned anything. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the, the reason that we, we draw from all of this is because we know that no matter what we face, we are... See, you're right with me. Walked into Walgreens the other day and this lady was admiring my bracelet. So I gave it to her, all right? So if you go to Walgreens and see a lady wearing a more than, you know, strong and courageous bracelet, uh, you know where she got it. It is this theme that is throughout the Old and the New Testament, but it is the war cry, the battle cry of, of Israel. Be strong and courageous, Joshua 1 and 9. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be what? Strong. And be strong and because he's with you wherever you go, okay? Because the point is go. And the Old and the New Testament is all about travel. It's all about journey. Have you read that? Old and New Testaments, we're going to go. Abraham rises up. God says, I want to take you to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to make your seed great as the sands of the sea. I want you to go. The Israelites go. They get stuck. 
And then they get set free from Egypt. And he says, I want you to, we're going to go to the wilderness and we're going to worship God. We go from the wilderness uh, to the promised land. I want you to go to the promised land. I want you to possess the land. I want you to cross the Red Sea. I want you to cross the Jordan River. These are all supernatural partings because sometimes uh, the enemy will use natural things to make you think you can't go any further, right? So there, God breaks the, the Red Sea. God breaks the Jordan River. He gives them manna uh, in the wilderness. He gives them water out of the rock. You love these stories, right? Be strong and courageous. And then when the enemy comes against them, he empowers this bunch of farmers. You know, these guys that have been in bondage uh, all their life. He empowers them to defeat the enemy and he does supernatural things. He says, if you worship me as you walk around the Jericho, Jericho walls, I will cause the walls to fall down. And he does. And then, they, you know, there's failures. How many have been up and down? Anybody been up and down? How many have busted on occasion? Just, nope, that wasn't Jesus at all. Anybody been there before? And so uh, they do this. We have the judges. And God just keeps coming in, bringing a deliverer to them. Because if he can find somebody, they'll stand up, Right? Then if Gideon will stand up, other people stand up with him, even if it's only 300. He will find people who will worship, people of faith, people that will destroy their idols, people that will put God first. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Don't kneel down before the enemy. Don't allow your fears to become your idols. Don't worship your idols. God says, worship me and I'll be with you wherever you go. Didn't get preached much last Sunday, but just to bring you up to date, uh, I did preach a lot third service, but we had our missionary here, Phyllis, and what an amazing job she did. But I spent time last Sunday talking about enduring spiritually, and we look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. So if you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. If you exalt yourself, you'll keep finding yourself knocked down. Humble yourself. And then he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So throw your worries at him. Let God worry for you. You don't have to worry, okay? All your cares, all your anxiousness, just keep throwing. You say, but I'm anxious again. Throw it again. Just keep throwing it, okay? It's like, just, just keep throwing it to God. Keep throwing it. Keep throwing it. Keep throwing it. He, he's, he's got this, all right? And he says, why should I do this? Be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we found out that sin specifically gives the enemy a place to stand. If you go back and look at the beginning, a lack of humility. How many know arrogance is a place for the enemy to stand in our lives? And we also know bitterness because the reason we're bitter, the reason we're often unforgiven is because of our arrogance. I don't think you caught that. You just, you just kind of went just right over your head, okay? No, I'm bitter because of what they did. No, I'm bitter because I think I'm better, right? I'm better. How many know Jesus died for everybody? Do you understand that? All of us are sinners. All of us. So when somebody hurts you, hurt people, hurt people, right? And that out of that brokenness, I can forgive them. Oh, you did that because you're all messed up. Okay. Like I was. Amen. And I've never hurt anybody in my life before. <laughs> Stop lying to yourself. Humble yourself. Okay. And he will lift you up. Lord, I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to give the enemy a place to live in my life because he prefers to devour me from the inside out rather than the outside in. And he says, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. The, uh, it, it, it's great to be a Christian, right? Amen. How many are glad you're a believer? Anybody glad that you have Jesus? Amen. And I'm, I'm glad I'm saved. 
God is faithful. Uh, but can I tell you something? Uh, John, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Nobody tells the kids that. It's like, honey, everything's going to be good. If anybody hurts you, mom, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to make everything right. How many know you can't make everything right? So in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Stay in me and you will continue to be an overcomer. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, his spiritual son, and said, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm there, and I'm just kind of flowing to today. So today, this Sunday, marks uh, 30 years ago, uh, I stepped in this pulpit as the pastor for the first time. 30 years ago today. So, yeah, go ahead, clap your hands. God, look, God can use me. He can use anybody. All right? So, uh but at the same time, I'm just really thankful and honored. Everybody's got their position. So where you, some of you have been serving for 30 years. I want to praise you and praise God for you and the good work that you've done. You've been lifting up people and praying, seeking God 20, you know, five years. Some of you have been here for, you know, a week. And I love you. Praise God. Praise God. I'm just, just glad that you're here. But it is a good thing to celebrate. When you celebrate what you do, if you're, if you're a Hebrew, if you're an Israelite, you go back and you restate some things. You remember, like you know, we do a Passover, we'll go back and remember how God brought us out of Egypt. You know, you never forget Passover, right? You never forget how the, the Passover lamb was slain and, and the blood was placed on your doorpost. And you got out of Egypt and you crossed the Red Sea and Egypt was destroyed, you know, and, and God set you free and fed you. You don't forget that sort of thing. So it's good. You should have anniversaries and birthday celebrations. You know, you should have that sort of thing. So, so as I look at this, I want you to know that in my 30 years, I've had massive victories that came through massive attacks. Okay? You say, I mean, you always live, you don't get to be victorious unless you're going to go to battle. So why am I not victorious? Because you surrendered. All right? What you need to do is fight. And strong and courageous people, God will go with them everywhere they go. They, they go, and you'll be victorious, right? That's that's so we 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 shout strong and courageous. That's our battle cry. Uh, but you know the enemy likes to come at us, and I don't want to give that. Uh, I don't want to give that such power. What I want to say to you is that you're victorious as you fight the battle. All right, as you go. So, uh, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer. Anybody ever read the Lord's Prayer, prayed it before? But there's this one part that reads this way. Uh, Deliver us from evil. What? Not even Halloween. I'm talking about evil already. What are you talking about? Deliver us from evil. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, my journey. And I think that you will agree with it in your own life. I think we all will uh, see as we look at the journey the, that, that we have. And I, listen, this is not my eulogy. All right, I'm just. God ain't finished with me yet. I don't know if you look up here, but that's a young man standing up in the pulpit right now. All right, you better agree with that. All right, okay. All right, I will cancel the church cookout. I will anyway. Uh, and this this scripture is important to me. First Samuel thirteen fourteen. And I, it should be important to you as well. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him as a leader of his people. Uh, let's just go to the, if I could put just a period right there on the word heart. The Lord has sought a man 
after his own heart. The Lord is looking for people that are after his heart. The Lord is pursuing person. Now, you know, I had another anniversary not long ago. In June, Diane and I celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary. So uh, that, you know, you know what she was looking for? She was looking for somebody coming after her heart because I was coming after her heart, baby. I was. I I saw her, I had my parents, my you know, close friends me. I was just a, I was too young to be looking for a girlfriend, but she sang pretty and that is church. <laughs> and she's beautiful and just a, an incredible heart. And and I that I'm gonna marry that girl. Okay, that's that's who I was, alright? So uh, she's it for me. Alright, that's it, that's it. And you know what? Every day I get up and I'm after her heart again. And she is after mine. I just taught you how to have a good marriage. <laughs> Be after each other's heart. I'm after their heart. I want to bless their heart. Some of you after your heart, their heart with a dagger. You know, I'm coming after your heart. That's not what I'm talking about. All right? You need therapy. All right? And deliverance. But I'm saying you go after one another's heart to, to know their heart, to study their heart, pursue their heart. To heal their heart. To hold their heart. So that the, the dreams of their heart can be fulfilled. You will. You will. Come on. You'll win somebody. Now some people will give you a head fake thinking they're after your heart. But after something else. I just talked to some people just now. All right. Uh, after. Let me get back to this. All right. I just left in my message. All right. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. Uh, backstory on that scripture. Uh, David was the king. And, excuse me, Saul was the king. Anybody know this story? Saul was the king, and as Saul is the king, uh, Saul just blows it. But the big thing is Saul is after his, his own interests. And he does some things that look good, but they aren't good. He actually gets fired from being the king because he offered a sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to offer. Because it, Samuel was supposed to come and speak to them. The prophet of God was supposed to come. And rather than wait on Samuel, he'd say, I'm going to take care of things myself. And I'll just be somebody that I'm not being. I'll operate in a calling that is not mine. And he did that. And out of that particular moment, uh, Samuel comes and has a word for him. and says, God sought after a man, a man after his own heart. Now Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. And, uh, and ain't nothing wrong being tall. Somebody praise God, Lord. Nothing wrong being tall, all right? I admire height. You know, it's not a gift that my family ever had. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I admire that. But the only reason Saul was the king is because he was taller than everybody else. Looked like he was the best warrior. David showed up. Little David, ruddy little David showed up, killed Goliath. And then they started singing songs. Saul's killed a thousand. David's killed tens of thousands. Whoop! And uh, Saul got really mad. You know the rest of the story here. God was looking for somebody that was after his heart. He was looking after a man like David, and he found David. Now, the reason, one of the reasons this uh, is important to me on this day is because that scripture spoke to me on 30 years ago today. I was, the, 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 the service was over. We had a small community. Uh, we had the leadership meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we all talked to one another afterwards. The people had been around for a while and realized that that leadership meeting was the size of the church when I assumed it. All right. Just the leadership meeting was the size of the church. And it was a smaller sanctuary. You know, this was a wall, as you can tell. And that was a wall back there. And that was the foyer. And the front foyer was the steps. And we didn't have parking over here. And, and we had uh, just finished building this back here. And... Uh, 
it was it was just a different day. You know, that was the bathroom section back there. Nobody's sitting in it. I don't understand. But uh, uh, but it, it was it was just it, it was it was a different day. And so I'm, I, I come in afterwards, and it was more of a traditional-looking platform with, you know, with, you know, the organ on one side, a piano on the other, and and you know, a rail. And I just fell on my face, and I was praying to God, and I started trying to think, what can I give you? What can I sacrifice to you, Lord, my gift? So, I, Lord, you know, because I, you know, came here as a singer, and I thought, I'm gonna, Lord, my gifts. I'm saying like I've never sang for you, Lord, and I, I'm gonna work with kids because I was a you know, student ministries director, and I'm going to do that, and started thinking all I was going to do, and I just got quiet before the Lord, I'm weeping before him, and the Lord says, I don't need your gifts, I want your heart, and that's how my pastorate started, that particular day, I don't, look, I, I can make anybody sing, but what I want is your heart, and so I determined in those days that what I needed to do was find a way to seek God's heart, and so this scripture uh, has echoed in my ministry and in my life. And this scripture also is restated in Acts 13, 22, where uh, Paul is uh, preaching to the people in uh, to the church in Antioch. He's building a church there. And, and the story he told was in proof of, of Christ. Uh, he testified concerning him. The word of God testifies concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So basically, in this scripture, we get a definition of what being after God's heart means. If I'm after God's heart, what will I do? Everything he wants me to do. I'm going to find a way to do everything God wants me to do. All right. So if you're trying to figure out your spiritual action steps right now, go ahead and get your piece of paper out and say, what does God want me to do? Well, I don't know. Then ask him. Ask him. Spend time. In, in, in the presence of the Lord and just talk to him about it. David, again, wasn't chosen for his gifts or because he had it all together. Got anybody say, I ain't got it all together besides me? He did not have it all together. He was not perfect. He failed miserably on some occasion. He was chosen for his touchable, open, shapeable heart. It was a heart after God. He wanted to cherish, to know, and to be tied to the heart of Almighty God. And, uh, and, and that's, that's how God did this. Okay, So today, I, I want us to spend a, a, some time looking at this. Again, on my pastoral anniversary, I want to go and retrace my opening message uh, that was I preached six months ago. No, excuse me. I preached for about six months. My first year of ministry, okay? I preached from the same topic, and Danielle is sitting back there. Some, I thought I saw Danielle. Keith's back there. He probably knows what it is because he's looking. So anybody know what it was? It was Acts 2, Willie, okay? Acts 2, 17 and 18. The reason I've mentioned Danielle and Keith is because on my first Sunday of pastoring this church, Danielle and the family showed up. Well, not the family. The family wasn't born yet, okay? But uh, Danielle, I know, always know exactly how old Daniel, Danielle is. Because I know how old she and Keith were when they came to this church. They were the first members that I received. And I, hey, Hardcore family, I love you guys. Whoop, 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 there's Danny. I'm talking about it. She's walking in the door. So, um, but they would know. So I preached Acts 2, uh, uh, 17 and 18, but I've included 16 through 21. And uh, this is what it says. This is that, and this is King James Version because that's all I had at the beginning, King James Version. Anybody remember King James Version? Okay, lots of yees and thous and thuses, okay? So uh, it's cool though, all right? Uh, but this is that which was spoken of by the, 
prophet Joel, that in the, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and all my servants and all my handmaidens, I will pour out those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above. Here we go. Getting scary now. Signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Can we just go back to the first part of that? The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Don't like that. Before that great notable day of the Lord come. I love that. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, So I am older now. Uh, wiser, hopefully, hopefully deeper. Uh, and I want to spend some time with you just looking back and forth at the scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look deeper into it. But before I do, let me again remind you of some of our uh, last week's discussion. Acts, or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter writes this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial, trial you were suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And I'm giving you the scripture on purpose because sometimes when you tell stories about things that you have been through, uh, people say, I, I don't serve Jesus because, you know, God's love, he wouldn't let me go through nothing. But do I have any sons and daughters in the house today? Any sons and daughters? I mean, of Abba. Got any sons and daughters of God? Okay, so that means that you are being raised. Okay? And in order to raise you, you're going to go through some things. And the raising will also shape you. And sufferings, many times, transform you into being more like Jesus than you were before. It's this idea. I, I don't thank God that I did it. I thank God I got through it. But I do like myself better than I did before. Does that make sense to anybody? So uh, he describes our life on earth as a fiery ordeal. I don't want to take too much time here. I want to get right into the journey and get you on down the road to whatever restaurant you plan to go to after church. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm a, anybody read beside me? Anybody else? So you don't have to buy books now. You can actually buy them on your phone or your smart device. Kindle is a great reader program. And uh, one of the books I like is Stacey Eldridge's book, a Defiant Joy. Anybody read Defiant Joy before? Okay, buy it. You'll like it. Okay? And uh, download it. Read it as you can. But this is, I, I took a portion. I just did a little cut and paste and then threw a few of my own personal thoughts in here. But this is just a, a paragraph of... This idea of going through some brokenness. Listen to this. Uh, amen. Amen. So, tragedies and heartache and pressures and illnesses and irritations, big and small, sometimes show up. And they don't ask you when they show up. They show up indiscriminately. And they do not limit themselves to one season. I have thought of times when I was sick. Anybody been sick before? When I was sick and my wife was sick. And times when my children hit a crisis and at the same time and on the same day, I get a call telling me of a loved one dying and a letter arriving from the IRS telling 
us, we are going to be audited. And then someone from the church drops by with a plea for help because of a child that is suicidal. While at the same time, I'm working on a building project and someone else has found a cancerous diagnosis. And all of this happens in two days. Okay. Now, I just read that and I have walked through that. Not once. I have walked through that many times. Like, what? Really? Call? Where? Hospital? What? All right. So, you know, telling you that I love being your pastor, but in truth, sometimes for me and sometimes for you, life is hard and it doesn't let up. You don't want to say amen right now, but you need to. So let, let me read on. However, in comparison to most, my life has not been so bad. I'm not a refugee. I'm not living in the middle of a drought-filled land, praying that my child will survive another day. My daily reality is not set in a physical war zone. Well, at least not that I can see. I'm not living on the streets. I have a roof over my head. I have running water that will not make me ill. When I put my feet on the floor after a night's sleep, there is actually carpet underneath them. I am a resident of the United States living life in luxury in comparison to 90% of the rest of the world. Amen. So I'm very aware, and again, Stacy, I'm very aware of all of this, but such facts, through true and, though true and humbling, don't help me most of the time. Too often, they serve only to shame me and keep me from being present to the sorrows in my life that threaten to swallow up everything. Yes, I want to be aware of others in the world. But we all need to grow in compassion. But that also requires me to feel my own pain. Counselors, am I okay right now? Is this working? So listen, listen. not to run, when I say that, to feel my own pain, not to run from it through comparisons. Somebody had it worse off than me. You don't run from your pain through comparisons that only serve to, to diminish my own difficulties and struggles. So yes, I'm not living in a third world country, but I have experienced some pain. Where are my fans in here? Anybody with me right now? So, so, so I was thinking, and Bob, you're here today. I was reading one of your posts the other day when your daughter jumped on a plane and you said, you know, you thought about writing a country song about it or something, writing a country song about putting your girl on a plane and watching Flight Tracker as they fly halfway across the world. And I started to post on that and I thought, I don't want to cry right now. I just don't want to because I feel that. I feel that. It's like I understand. So look at me. Let me tell you this story, okay? Here's the reality. Regularly, my children come to visit, well, regularly, on occasion, my children come to visit me from Los Angeles, California. My daughter, Felicia, and my son-in-law, Lauren, and my grandson, Malachi. They get in the big old plane, they fly over, and we meet them, and we throw our arms around, and like, yeah, yeah, hugs, and yes, big hugs, and then we spend like a week together or something like that. And then I take them back to the airport. And I watch them walk away and down the hallway. They don't even let me go back to the gate anymore. They go past security and I watch them as long as I can. And they disappear. 
I'm going to tell you this. You're going to say, Pastor, you're wimp. Okay, I can deal with that. I grieve. I grieve. And nobody told me about that when I was a kid. One day you're going to have children. It's going to be so wonderful. And then they will marry somebody and leave you. They told me that. So I didn't quite have it. But I don't know if they told me that I would be prepared for it. Because here's something that my heart, anybody like this, my heart gets tied to things. My soul, and my soul is tied to my kids. All right? Does that make sense? So I know that they're pursuing their life. And me, smart aleck me, told them, honey, go pursue your dreams. Go out there and chase Jesus. In retrospect, I would say, hey, you need to stay right here so I can keep an eye on you. Stop dreaming. You know. Let me say this. When I do not have compassion for myself and my own trials, my comparison for others falters. Excuse me, I said comparison. Let me reread that. When I do not have compassion for myself and my own trials, my compassion for others falters. In order for me to have compassion for you, I need to also have compassion for me. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. So busy taking care of everybody else's pain to not pause and take care of Ricky. I'm preaching to somebody. If I run from my reality, I also run from the presence of God. I need honesty with Jesus. I don't need to lie to Jesus. I ain't complaining to Jesus because I got some complaints. Nobody's with me right now. You thought you were always standing in his presence singing how great he is. Sometimes I need to stand in his presence and say, you know, life is really tough right now, Jesus. Can you help me manage this? Can you teach me what you want to? Uh, there's a James Taylor song. Anybody remember James Taylor? All right, that man can sing, couldn't he? I've seen fire and I've seen rain. You don't know that? How many? Come on, old people. Come on, it's grandparents weekend. Where are the old people in this room? All right. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days. That I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought I'd see you, baby, one more time again. It's a sad song. You were laughing and singing, but it's about the fact that he had a friend named Suzanne who had committed suicide. And he was in a creative time in his life, and his buddies didn't tell him about her death because they wanted him to be able to keep creating. It's also about his drug addiction and how he had to spend at least six months just in rehab. It's about his brokenness and the issues of his life. But we're all just saying, I've seen fire and I... It's a crying song. You ought to get your Kleenex out and just blow your nose and have a really... Anyway, just... I, uh, I've had a lot of good times, but life is a journey. Say it. Life is a journey. And I want to, I want to just say a few things about the journey... Of your heart. And I think Acts 2 really speaks to the journey and what God does with this journey. Uh, three types of journey. But before I, before I get into it, I want to confess one of my sins to you. All right? You, how many know I like to get honest? Okay? I am a t shirt hoarder. Okay? I am. I'm a t shirt hoarder. If you want to bless me, give me a t shirt. Okay? All right? If you want to bless my wife, don't give me a t-shirt. 
That's some great t-shirts here. And uh, so, would you like to see some of my t-shirts? Yeah. Okay. All right. You'll never guess where I got this one. All right. So, anyway. So, anybody seen this t-shirt? Yeah. Right. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Pastor. Because hardcore devil stomp, stomping ninja isn't an official job title. No, I got that? Yeah. You like that? I should wear this every Sunday. All right. All right. It's mine. You can't have it. All right. Still smells fresh. It's clean. All right. I got a load of t-shirts. I got a couple of bins of t-shirts. All right. Well, let me talk about this one first. Okay. Uh, I am a devil stomping ninja. <laughs> but so you understand, uh, my journey is a spiritual journey. So in this scripture that says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, looking back uh, uh, to, to, the, to the prophet Joel and, and, his, uh, and his word to Israel during a time of great brokenness. Uh, he talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Anybody thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that like the coolest thing that's ever happened to the world? I mean, Jesus died and raised and then... But he died broke so he could send us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. So, um, but he talks about in this, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he talks about your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants, on, and, and, on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. They shall prophesy. And preachers are really bad about this. Really, we're really bad about this. And that is that God... Is going to let young men have visions and old men dream dreams. Because old men sleep a lot. <laughs> and young men, they just won't sit down. So young men have visions and old men. And then it looks like he throws in, by the way, we're even going to pour it out on servants and handmaidens. Who are these guys? That's not what this is talking about. Just somebody shout servant. Somebody shout servant. Servants, okay? So before I'm a pastor, before I'm anything else... I'm a servant of the Lord. And here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a child of the Lord Jesus, he wants to pour his spirit out upon you. And then some things are going to happen to help you get through journey. They're spiritual things, spiritual discussions. Your spirit man wants to talk with heaven. It is a line to heaven. It's like heaven's Wi-Fi. You're connected. You're hooked up. And the way that he's going to communicate with us is through prophecy. He's going to actually tell us things that are the word of God. Open up the word of God. He's also going to help you to foretell and foretell. Part of it is proclamation of God's word. And another part of it is knowing things to come. Knowing, getting a, getting a hint, getting a heads up. And out of that prophecy kind of oversees some other things. I'm also going to give you some words through visions. You'll just be in church one day and, and the music's going on. Suddenly, it's like you will see a river or something. And it will make sense that that river is, is, is the presence of God. And you'll see like a, a mountain and a tunnel through the mountain. I mean, it's like visions. All right? Anybody been there before? And, and God will say, let me tell you what that river means. Let me tell you what that mountain means. It's, 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 it's a, your conscious but at the same time, God's showing you pictures. He's giving you uh, analogies and illustrations of things that he's going to see. But it can be very practical. It can be literal at the same time. You'll literally see somebody set free. But then you also have dreams. 
Thank God for dreams. Can somebody praise God for dreams? Dreams are so cool. I mean, I've had some awesome dreams in my life, and I usually they end up a big part of my sermons and, and stories, you know, that the Lord will help me. Um, the, you know, I have, I've experienced that, but here's, here's what he's saying. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And before there was like a prophecy on occasion, but now I'm going to just keep talking to you. So if you'll pay attention, God wants to give you a spiritual journey so that you can hear from him. Prophecy and visions and dreams. And that's kind of, that's, that's how my pastorate has happened. Like when I first came here, we had a handful of people and it was in a small, uh, I mean, we have some really nice wood pews that I gave away years and years ago. Uh, and not, and not too far from now, you're going to all buy chairs. Aren't you excited about that? So anyway, uh, but, but, you know, we, got, we gave away the pews, a little sanctuary, a few people here, and I used to always wear a suit to church. I know you think that's crazy, but some of you did too. And there's nothing wrong with wearing a suit. Somebody praise God for suits and really fancy clothes. Somebody praise God. It's cool, all right? But there's no place in the Bible that says you got to wear a suit to be saved. There's no place, all right? Uh, but we're, we're also something else. Now, You've heard me tell the story, so here we go. Are you ready? We were pretty much all one shade of skin. Okay? How many love white people? Anybody love white people? Okay. All right, so white people are good. Thank you, Jesus. All right? So one day we have a church dinner in the side lot, okay? Which used to be in this parking lot over here. It was grass, all right? And... We had dinner and we're standing out there and we're eating in 100 degree weather in suits and really nice clothes. And people are driving by looking at us like, I don't want to go there. You know, it's like, who would sit outside on a sunshiny day in a suit? You know, and uh, so I saw that. I think that was from heaven. And then I would walk my, my dog around this neighborhood and I noticed that my neighborhood did not look like my church. And God says, you know, God challenged me in Revelation and showed me every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And then I decided I'd come home and tell everybody what God was telling me he was going to do to the church. And I thought that everybody would celebrate. And some did. They just went somewhere else to party. All right. But I was just decided we'd follow the Lord. And look what the Lord has done over the years. Look what he has done. I mean, I'm just thankful. And we've come there. We don't have to fight for that sort of thing anymore. When we come to church, it doesn't matter what the color of our skin or what languages we speak. Aren't you glad for that? We don't. In fact, I just brought this up for you. Some, some, some of you looked around and said, what? We're diverse. It's because we don't scream. Hey, we're diverse. Look at all our colors. We don't do that. We're just what God caused us to be. All right? But in your home, there's some change that God would like to make in your home and in your family and at your workplace. But you're going to have to open your eyes and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because what you think is a carnal journey, the things that our nation is trying to fix uh, through law and other ways, the only way that racism is going to be wiped out of our nation is when we have a revival from heaven. We need the Holy Spirit to come. And we need other churches to wake up. Sunday should not be the most segregated day of the week. There's something wrong with that. God's people are God's people. And it doesn't matter where you come from. So, 
I can't talk too much longer about that because I get really worked up. Can you tell? <laughs> you know, I take some time. And even when the Lord spoke to me about it, I was just taking a walk. And uh, some people ought to take a walk on occasion. Can I get amazed? Amen. Just take a walk and just listen to the Lord. And I was walking through the neighborhood and the Lord was speaking to me. And lately the Lord has been telling me that the things that he showed to me in early years, he is going to enlarge them. You know, right now it is this idea that freedom is going to be a hospital because in our culture, people's needs cannot be met. We can't get the truth anymore. What we need is to become a hospital right here at Freedom Fellowship, all right? So that people, you can tell people, I know you may not be getting help elsewhere, but you can go over there. They'll tell you the truth. They'll help you. They'll get you set free. They'll, come on. Are you right? So, so we want to be that. We want to become a spiritual hospital. That's why we're working family restoration ministry, uh, loving our community ministry so that we can have, we can bless and help and challenge people. We can have intensive discipleship and recovery. And a lot of our benevolence ministries and things have been in place for a long time. But compared to what it's going to be in the future, anybody ready to set the community free? That's why God has got us on a spiritual journey. If you just come to church and do religion as usual, you won't impact the world. And it might be that we're just protecting ourselves because we don't want to set, tell people the truth. But folks, the truth will set people free. So that's why he poured his spirit out upon us. So I've had a spiritual journey. I've also had a healing journey. I'll show you another. Here's another shirt that I really love. It's one of my favorites. Right here, I wear this one a lot. Okay, anyway, my Rocky shirt, Rocky Balboa. Anybody remember Rocky Balboa? Rocky! Come on. It says, you can't read the small print, it says, it ain't over till it's over. All right? And that's when the Rocky Balboa movie came out. Before that was the movie Rocky vs. Blood. And if it's, look. If slides in it, I'm watching it. All right, that's just the way it is. And I, uh, I, I really like this because I. And when when he came out with the next movie, I mean, years ago we used to think there'd be a thousand Rocky movies, and uh, I think we're about to hit that. But I really, I really enjoy uh, the Rocky movie. But I always wonder. I don't know if you remember like that first movie where he gets hit in the face a few times and his eyes all busted and swollen up. He looks over at Mick and says, "Cut me, Mick." And uh, that's what he does. So he can open his eye and he can see where, how he's going to fight. And uh, so, so when, I, when I think of this, I, they don't show all the healing process. You know what I'm talking about? They, they don't show, but sometimes when you get hit, when you get cut, you also need to heal. And if you don't get healed, now, sooner or later, the need for healing, you will feel it on the inside of your life. Is that making sense to anybody? Yes. You will feel it on the inside. And, and so, so when the scripture says last days, I don't want you to get stuck there. We've been living in the last days since Jesus showed up. All right. The last days. These are those days, those last days where he pours out his spirit upon all flesh. We're living in them. Uh, the problem is is that sometimes we live in such fear of the last days. The good news is he pours out his spirit on us. But one of the reasons he pours out his spirit is because he wants to heal us. Amen. All of our brokenness. Uh, there's some really tough scriptures I have. Uh, because when I talk about the healing journey, some of you know that in the... Uh, Earlier part of this decade, I went through a season that I call my healing journey. And you know that I preached on the healing journey for some time. 
And I taught you about healing out of my own heart and out of my own grief. Uh, I didn't know all the healing that I needed when uh, uh, I started hearing this song uh, from Don Moen. Think about his love. Anybody know that? It's an old song. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that brought us through. But I'd get up in the morning and that song would be on my heart. And then the Lord began to reveal this brokenness that was inside of me that went back to my boyhood. And some things that had happened, some abuse and things that had happened in my life that I'd never talked about. I'd never dealt with. Uh, in fact, here's what happens with, with that kind of abuse is it, it becomes like shame on the inside of you. So you do life so you don't have to tell people what you're really feeling. So you don't have honest relationships with anybody. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? I mean, I, I feel like I'm getting in a little counseling right now. People say, don't go there, Pastor Rick. And don't be telling us what happened to you. Okay, I don't have to tell you. I've already talked to people about it. But, but that sort of thing. I also went through some personal wounds and some diabolical attacks upon my life. In the early decade of 2000, just all kinds of pain and and struggles and and out of that the Holy Spirit wanted to take me on a healing journey. He doesn't just want me to be a preacher. He also wants me to be whole. Yes. Anybody get that? Oh, I'm safe. But he wants to set you free from the shame and the brokenness that's in your life. So the Lord began to do this. I was driving to uh, 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 where was it? Withville, Virginia. I was driving there to go to a conference, and I was just done emotional. I was just done. Done, done, done. I was done. Anybody been there before? I'm going to church, but I don't care. Anybody been there? All right. It's like, it's my job. I'm going to go to church. And so I picked up a, a track. And in the days, we used to have things like uh, CD players in cars. Okay. And so I picked up, but I also picked up the music because I like to listen to music and read it and see how it's going. And, and I got to this particular song that I just, I just can't sing it. Can't. I, I sing it a thousand times, but it's tough for me to sing. I, I pulled it back out in my office yesterday. I'm going to sing this song to the church. And I sat there like a baby and cried because it's like, it's a healing song. Anybody got that? Nobody gets that. Okay. Just go ahead and write me up on your Facebook about how wimpy I am. All right. All right. And I'll write you up about how broken you are. All right. Anyway, so, so. So uh, it, it's a Dennis Jernigan song. If you don't know, Dennis Jernigan was writing in the 90s and early decade of 2000, heavy. And, uh, and the song is called What the Locusts Have Eaten. And uh, I said Jernigan. It, just spell it the way it sounds. Okay, if you need to Google it, look it up, YouTube it, whatever you want to do. But uh, the song came. It was the first time I'd heard it. And I, here I go. All right. Lord, you are good in your mercy, taking what I cannot bear, taking a life that seemed hopeless. See, I lose it right there. And making it beautiful beyond compare. And what the locusts have eaten. My Lord can restore. And what, you can sing it? <laughs> and what the enemy's taken, my Lord gives me more. And my Father will mend my heart when my heart's torn. 
There's nothing that my Father cannot restore. That's the song. And for me, it wasn't just about one thing. It, he took me back to times of difficulty in my life. He restored my shame. Excuse me. He dealt with my shame. He reminded me of truth in my life. He took me back to a dream that I had years ago. And some of you remember the way I told it because I used to tell it one way, but really I saw it another. He took me back to a dream that I'd had where I was walking through the great dismal swamp. And as I walked through the swamp, I was just difficult and a, a drudge. And then I saw like an oasis. It was, a tree. it was like a tree house. And I climbed up in the tree house. And then I went back down through the swamp. And then I see two roads. I see a paved, beautiful road. And I see another swampy road. And I chose the swampy road. And uh, the swampy path. And uh, the thing that I didn't tell you about this is just going to be, you know, some people are going to hate this. But here it is, okay? In the dream, I was in the swamp. And I was naked. All right? Sorry. That's the truth. Okay? And when I came up, out of the swamp to the oasis, someone came out and cleansed me and covered my nakedness. Amen. And then gave me the choice of whether or not I was going back into the swamp or take the road that the Lord had provided for me. And I took the road of shame again. You see what I'm saying? God wants to say to you that he will deliver you of your shame. Now don't go back. He will cleanse you and purify you. And this was a decade before my, heal before my healing journey. He was saying it's going to take you a little while. But I'm going to cleanse you. And that's why I'm feeling so good about 30 years baby. Because I feel like God is saying, look, I've cleansed you. I've worked on you for 30 years. Maybe now we can do something. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I got to be done. But they sang forever and then Danielle sang. And so. Everybody else's fault. Transference is a spiritual gift. No, it's not. Okay, thirdly and finally, let me show you some more t-shirts. Okay, these are... These are some cool t-shirts, okay? This is my Felicia Barton t-shirt, my daughter's t-shirt. Isn't that cool? Look at that. All right? That's when she did a CD and she, she was on tour that one year and came all the way back to town and, and I got a free t-shirt. Right. You had to pay for it, but I got it free. And uh, so pretty. Look at you. I hope you're watching online right now, baby, because it's your shirt. And uh, then I got this one. This is one of many different kinds of shirts that I have. Of Preston's. These are a pastor of disaster shirts, okay? At different times where he's fought and I've cheered and encouraged him to throw elbows at people, all right? And uh, so I got a lot of family t shirts from family trips. I've got trips from different places, you know, Hawaii, uh, Mexico, different places where we travel together uh, because I want to tell you that I'm on a family journey and notice. That he says, sons and daughters, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
He keeps saying that, but he says, your sons and daughters. So out of all these years, I have a lot of sons and daughters. I don't just have them. In fact, I have another t-shirt that I noticed some of you guys wear too. It looks like this. In fact, I have a load of, of, of shirts that are Freedom Fellowship t-shirts. Okay, so I think I got a bunch of larges. I mean, we can pull some out if you need them. They're free. All right, but uh, people wear these. I see them all the time. People wear Freedom. Hey, nice shirt. Look right there. All right. So, uh, so what I'm saying is you are my family. All right? You're my family. Now, don't play that with me. Don't say, oh, he's trying to make us feel like we're family. Hush. Don't make me cause you to stay after church. Okay? I'm your daddy. So, no, listen, listen. I, what I'm telling you is we're family. Uh, uh, culture matters. Does anybody understand that? There are some of you, when I talk about family, you think about where you came from. You say, thank God I'm not back there anymore. All right? Uh, because you come from such brokenness and you need healing. And that's part of what the Holy Spirit does in us. Is He causes us to be mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. Until we trust one another. We're loyal to one another. And we're raising one another. And taking care of one another. Because God wants us to be not only His children. But He wants us to be knit together. Let me show you some scripture in, in, in Colossians 2. Uh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. In Ephesians 4, that you would keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In Colossians 2.19, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Or 1 Corinthians 12, for as the body is one, has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are still one body, so also is Christ. So we, so, so for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. So I, I tell you this, say knit. Anybody knit? Is there anybody that still does it? We're my knitters, okay? So it takes time. But eventually, everything is one whatever you make, okay? It's one sweater, okay? And it's strong now because they hold together one another, right? That's, the, that's really the word constantly in every one of the scriptures. It's knit together. I take you and you and you and you, and I'm able to put all of these threads together so that you can become one. Amen. So we are one body. So that means a couple of things, okay? My soul is tied to you. I love you. I love you. And what happens in your life happens to me. Does that make sense? I mentioned, you know, mention your girl flying. Whatever happens, the problem when you're a parent and kids move across the world is, what if they need me? You know, you're knit together. We are knit together we are family. And some people are saying, well, Pastor, I'm struggling with this part of the journey, this family journey. And I'm going to tell you why you struggle. It's because you, you're not just knit to this family. You sometimes find out that you're knit to other things that you would like to be disconnected from. Those are called soul ties. Soul ties. Sometimes they're relationships from your past or assaults or wounds that you have from your past. But even somebody like a mother wound or a father wound that you've had in your life or somebody assaulted you, something of that nature, whatever, you end up being tied to those things. And what happened there is still impacting you today. 
And because you haven't talked about or resolved it, it's tough for you to have a great relationship with anybody. In fact, you're ready to go into marriage number five, but you still haven't dealt with all the brokenness from one, two, three, and four. Am I making sense to anybody in the house? Somebody say soul ties. There's so much. I mean, I don't have to teach about that because at Freedom, we know about this stuff, right? We know. And what the Lord would do is he would like to set you free from your past. He'd like to set you free from your soul ties, from old relationships that keep dragging you back down into the mud. But he'd also like to give you some healthy soul ties. And that's why we're here in this room today. That's why we are his church, because he wants you to be connected. Now, here's some truths that I have found, though, because just because you want healthy soul ties, you still have to be aware. Somebody shout, be aware. Be aware, okay? Here's some things that I have learned in my life, okay? As a pastor, I have learned that I don't need to make excuses for my pastoral heart. Pastor, you just need to stop loving each other. You need to just stop that. Well, guess what? We're going to love each other anyway. And then how about this? I learned that my family matters and sometimes I just need to stop and be with them. Is that cool? Because if it's not... I'm still cool because I had to learn that because in my life, one of the things that I had to fight against was my tie with my church dragging me away from my tie with my children, which is one of the reasons that great song. The only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher, man. What happened to that preacher? He needed to pay more attention to his son. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You don't even know the song. All right. Uh, we need to make sure as, as a pastor, but you need to make sure, am I right, that we invest in our posterity. We need to invest in our children. I had to learn that. I also learned that I can't please everyone and that has to be okay. Amen. And that's tough. Especially if you're deal from a place of shame, you will smile at things that you should give stink eye to. Really? Does that make sense? Things that you should be praying about. I've also learned that I'm in a spiritual conflict and I fight every day. I've also learned that you are my family. I just told you this and my soul is tied to you. And finally, that God has called me to a lifetime of pastoral service at Freedom Fellowship. I'm so glad I got applause on that last night. Would you stand with me as we finish this? So let me ask this question while you're standing here. What area, as we were talking about, really jumped up in your heart? How about the, the topic of family journey? How many need some help in the family journey? Anybody need some help in that family journey aspect? Okay. Uh, what about the healing journey? Who among you got some healing that needs to be taking place in your life? Some stuff that you had not resolved. Anybody? Anybody? All right, here's another one. Okay. Uh, what about your spiritual journey? Because I need to be on a spiritual journey. I need to be hearing from heaven. Right? Here's how you start that spiritual journey. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Could we say it? Let's just say it together. Let's just say it. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe in my heart 
that God raised you from the dead. I confess. I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. That's pretty powerful stuff. You know, you're saying that right now. I don't want you to just say it. I want you it to be a truth in your heart. Because salvation isn't by a prayer. It's by declaration. This is who I am and this is who I'm not going to be. Does that make sense? You say, well, I didn't feel anything. I know it's like, cool. But you will because the Lord's going to deal with all this stuff. And then here's what He wants to do. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And He saved us. He said, it's good for you that I, you want me to stay, but it's better if I go away because if I go away, I will send you another comforter. And He just won't walk with you. He will be on the inside of you. And that's what Acts 2, 17, 18 is all about. It's about the outpouring of God's Spirit upon people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then out of that, they begin to have this communion with God until daily they're expecting to talk with God and their prayers aren't just broken, but their prayers are like, I'm going to talk to God about this. And the Holy Spirit is showing up in their lives. Does that make sense to you? For some of you, it's crazy. All right. Healing journey. Lift your hand one more time. Where's my healing journey? So for those of you that need healing, here's what I learned. Healing sometimes happens like bam, but most times healing is a journey. All right? So I, I want, it's like everybody raised their hand, so how are we going to get everybody up here? So I want to pray with you as we conclude. All right? But come on, where's some people, wherever you are in your journey, spirit journey, family journey, healing journey, however, like mine, I want you to come and just stand with me. We're going to pray together. Come on. One person out of all those hands. That's amazing. All right. I know you're racing each other to the buffet or something. All right. Come on down, stand. I love you guys so much. I'm so proud. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Man, y'all come preach for me sometimes. I love you. How long have you been here now? 13 years? What? Squeeze up, squeeze up. And, and do a, in the name of Jesus, shove people out of your way. All right? Coming forward. Fill the aisles. Fill the aisles. Jesus. Come on. You ready? We're going to close this with prayer. I'm going to throw you all out the door. And we're all going to come back at six, right? Um, and for those of you who don't know, we don't do service. We do three identical services usually on Sunday, right? Three identical services. They're not exactly identical. Same message, same worship. But uh, tonight it's a special service that I have no idea what's going on except that I'm going to be here, which makes it weird. So healing journey folk up here in the altar, wave at me. All over the, all over the place. Healing journey, wave at me. Say, like, yeah, healing journey. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's do that swiftly, okay? Just bow your heads for a moment. Let's let's make this declaration together. Father, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I welcome Holy Spirit into my life. Reveal the areas of my life that continue to bring brokenness. Reveal to me the soul ties that need to be removed. 
the days ahead, in the months ahead, I surrender myself to revelation. I want to be healed from abuse. I want to be healed from ungodly relationships. I want to be set free from the power of my past. Give me dreams. Give me visions. Prophetic words to lead me on this journey. Stay right there in that, in that frame. Father, in the name of Jesus, for my family that's here, I ask now, in Jesus' name, I ask, Father, that the revelations would begin now. I pray, Father, that you would restore to them the position on the path. Some of them that were on a path some years ago. And Lord, you were calling them back to the path of healing. I pray, Lord, that they would open their hearts so that they do not have to walk in shame. But they would reveal truth. That they would speak truth. That they would have compassion upon themselves. And you would turn their sorrow into joy. That from this day, in the coming year, there are those that would come to me and say, Pastor, I need to testify about how God has healed me of things that controlled my life. I bless this community in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. And now I pray for a spiritual journey. A spiritual journey. Come on, lift your hands for a spiritual journey. Come, Holy Spirit. Say, come, Holy Spirit. I want my spiritual journey. Come, speak to me. Talk to me. Dwell inside of me. See if there's anything that you want to change and lead me in eternal ways. Come, Holy Spirit. I am your son or daughter. I'm a mother and a father. I'm a man, a woman, and I'm ready now to receive your spirit in the fullness. Come, Holy Spirit. Praise God.